join us as we worship our God together.
tour around you. The scripture reading for today comes from Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were created to experience the fullness of relationship with God. We were created to to experience joy, peace, hope, love. We were created to, to not have to live with guilt and remorse and shame. We were created for life. God, God created human beings so that we could experience the fullness of life. And then sin entered the world, entered the picture. And because of sin, we corrupted God's great plan for us. Our, our sin um, was really to reject God's it was to, uh, to turn our backs on what God wanted for us and to declare that we believe that we know better than God how to get to those deeper things of love, joy, peace, life. And we became enemies of God. And it's not that that was thrust upon us. We made the choice. We made the decision to be enemies of God. We made the choice to decide that we, we know better how to run our lives. We know better how to get to those things that deep inside we want than God does. And we rejected God. And what we didn't realize is that in rejecting God, we cut ourselves off from the source of all of those things that we desperately want. And you would think that God, being rejected, would reject us. Because... Let's be honest, that's what we tend to do with other people. I mean, we put up with people for a while. We'll put up with some rejection for a bit. But if it keeps coming at us, eventually the the self-preservation says, if you're going to reject me, I'm going to reject you. And and we, we turn away from people because it's just crazy to not. And, and even... And even, you know, in, on, our best, on our worst days, 
we probably say to people, look, I've warned you, I've tried to help you, I've been shared my concerns with you, I've done everything I know to do to get you back on the path, and you've turned your back on it all the time. So let me tell you something, when all this falls to pieces, don't come running to me. You made your bed, you sleep in it. On our best days, we say to people, look, when all this falls to pieces, I want you to know I'll be here for you. When everything falls apart, when all the stuff that I've been trying to warn you about happens, I'll be here waiting for you. I'll be ready to help you. You just let me know. And, and that feels like a pretty good response. That feels like a very loving thing to do. And that's sort of how we view God. But the reality is God neither rejects us nor waits for us. He comes to us. God isn't sitting back saying, well, when you guys get this together, come let me know. When you realize how bad things are and you need me, then come to me. He doesn't leave it at that. Before we even have a chance, he comes to us. And that's the foundation of our faith. That God is on the, in Christ on the cross has come to us in our rejection, our sin, Despite the fact that we are enemies of God. I mean, you read this passage all the way through it. Paul keeps repeating this phrase. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we had, were enemies of God, Christ died for us. While, even though we rejected God, while we were rejecting God, Jesus went to the cross. The cross is not a response to something we've done. The cross is God's initiating Grace to us. And what we have to understand is that the cross is not, it's not something for people who are good. It's for people who are bad. The cross is not for people who have done something to earn it. It's the very fact that none of us could ever earn it. Brennan Manning says, God really, when you look at the cross, God and, and God's grace, he has no taste. You know, I mean, he'll come for anybody. He'll love anybody. He'll show grace to anybody. And, and you'd think, well, you know, that's not really wise because people are going to take advantage of that. And people are going to, to use you. And God says, yeah, that's a risk I'm willing to take. And it happens all the time, but it doesn't stop God from coming to us and pouring out his grace upon us primarily through the cross. This is, the cross is not about people who are good enough. It's about people who are bad. And that will never truly make a difference in our lives until we begin to understand that the people who are bad and needed the cross are you and me. Because we have a tendency to say, when we talk about bad people, well, that's all those folks out there. No, it's all of us in here. It's because of our sin. It's to do something about our sin. It's when we, you and I, were rejecting God and enemies of God and sinning against God. In the midst of that, Christ comes. And he comes into our lives in grace to change us, to restore us, to bring us back to what he, had, what he has created us to be and to experience. And the response he's asking for really is just faith. It's trusting him. All throughout this passage, Paul keeps saying, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Before it, after it, Paul is continually talking about by faith. God has done all of this for you in Christ. And the only thing he's asking for, the only response he's looking for is faith. Do we believe that God really is that gracious? Do we believe that, that, that Christ on the cross is God's grace extended to every single one of us to change us? And the more I've thought about that and pondered that, it seems to me that the clearest evidence of our faith of our trust of God as the gracious God that he is, the clearest evidence of that is gratitude. 
You think about that for a moment. We're only going to be grateful for something that we believe is true. We're only going to be grateful if, if we really believe that this person has done something for us and we express our gratitude to them. And that's why gratitude is the, is the evidence of our faith and our trust. Because if we really believe, if we have really embraced all that it means for Christ to go to the cross in grace for us who are enemies of God and are sinning against God and have turned our backs on God, if we really believe in that grace, then we can't help but be grateful. It's, it's what we do. It's the most natural response in the world. And, and that's why I think Karl Barth says that when you boil it down, in one way or another, every sin comes back to ingratitude. We don't really believe that God is who he says he is, that God's going to do what he says he does, he's going to do, and so we have no reason to give thanks. Craig Barnes, who's now the president of Princeton Seminary, when he was a pastor, said he used to tell his congregation... What sets us apart as Christians is not, it's not happiness, because sometimes we don't like to admit it, but there are a lot of people who are not Christians and are happy. And, and it's not success, because all you have to do is read the Gospels a little bit, and you quickly see that in no place does Jesus equate discipleship with worldly success. And, it, and it's really not mission. Because there are all kinds of people in the world who are, have no connection to Christ and do, are doing great things to help people in this world. He says what sets us apart as Christians is that our lives are an expression of gratitude. That every day as we live our lives, everything we're doing is an expression of gratitude because that gratitude is rooted in the fact that we believe God is who he says he is and God does what he says he does. And that God is full of grace culminating on the cross. It's that gratitude that realizes, recognizes that we don't deserve any of it. We deserve rejection. At the very best, we, we deserve God just waiting for us to get ourselves together. And instead, God comes to us in grace. That gratitude is what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. You know, they, it, it was... They lost their sense of gratitude for what God has done for them. And that gratitude led them to turn their backs on God. That ingratitude. The evil one was saying to them, okay, you can't really trust God to do what he says. And you can't really trust God to be who he says he is. It, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. And, and they began to believe that because they had stopped being grateful. And the ingratitude led to doubt and doubt to sin and and they lost it. And because they lost it, now when, when God came to walk with them in the cool of the evening, as he'd done up to that point, now instead of like a little child running down the sidewalk to greet mommy and daddy when they come home from a long day, they run to the woods and hide. Because no longer is God the one who pours out grace on them, one they can trust. Now God is one that they fear. And And... No longer do they believe that God is going to supply their needs at that, as he has done up to that point and as he has promised to do. And because they don't believe that, they have to hoard and grab and clutch and hang on to everything that they possibly can because God will take it away from me if I'm not careful. And they lose all of it. And they spend their lives. And all of their descendants have spent our lives trying to prove to God that we're worthy. That we're good enough. And the sad thing is, Adam and Eve weren't worthy before they sinned. 
I mean, they, weren't, they weren't worthy of God's grace. God didn't look down on them and say, you know what, those two are pretty good. I'm going to pour out my grace on them. It was grace that created them. It was grace that put them on the earth. It was grace that, that blessed them in the garden. It was grace that gave them every good and perfect gift. It was all God's grace. And the truth of the matter is, what we sometimes miss is that we think that the grace of God is really about what God does, but actually it's not really so much about what God does as who God is. Because sometimes in, we look at the cross and we think, wow, God was so gracious in sending Christ to the cross. And in the back of our minds, we're thinking that God acts like we do, and that is that God had a number of options before him. He thought, well, I guess I better take this one. I guess I'll be gracious this time. No, it, it was the natural outworking of the nature of God who is grace, who is good and loving and merciful. And when God acts in grace, it's not because he, he has to do that. It's because he cannot act any other way. It is the nature of who God is to act in grace. It's his character. No wonder we should be giving thanks and be full of gratitude for all that God has done. I'm convinced that worship and gratitude are interconnected, really inseparable. Because if you're, great, if you're so grateful, then you worship. And, and, and we worship as a means of expressing our gratitude. And there's this, this sort of this cycle of, of two uh, responses that just keep building on each other. And it's one of the reasons why we come together every week. Because on our own, we miss it. On our own, we get tunnel vision that we forget how good God is. We forget God's grace. We miss God's grace over and over again. We all do it. And so we come together, together every week to remind each other that God is good. God is gracious and merciful, even when life is difficult and tough. In the early part of this section, Paul's talking about the struggles they're having and, and how it, you know, they have to persevere through them. But if they do, eventually you get to hope. Why is that? Because God is good. And Paul is reminding them that in the midst of struggles, God is still good. God is still full of grace. And it's hard for us to see that sometimes. And so we come together to remind each other. That's really what we do in worship. And that's why the worship order is different this morning. You may have looked at that and thought, oh man, does that mean he's going to preach for 45 minutes starting that early? I saw a lot of scared faces when I showed up here. No, it's, as I was pondering this, it just struck me that, you know, gratitude is one of those things we need to do. You can't just think about being grateful. You have to do things to be grateful. And you have to express that. And I'm convinced it's not really gratitude if you don't express it. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take the next half hour or so. And, and we're, going to, we're going to have different ways of expressing our gratitude to God because he is full of grace. And we're going to do that through prayers. We're going to pray prayers of thanksgiving. We're going to do that through, uh, through a litany that uh, we... We, uh, we'll share together. We're going to do it through the offerings, what we give of, our, of what we have to God as an expression of our gratitude. And we're going to do that through music. We're going to sing together. We're sing a lot together. Of the different ways in which we, we give thanks to God for what he's done. And one of the songs that's been going through my mind over the last couple of weeks as I've been pondering this sermon is the 18th century hymn, Rock of Ages. And in that, in that hymn, the, the author talks about nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. He, he talks in this song about not the labor of my hands could fulfill thy law's demand. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? It's not enough. Because it's really all about God's grace. God who is our rock, who comes to us in Christ. Mm-hmm.
rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in Thee. Let the water and the blood from Thy wounded side, which flowed, be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt. And power, not the labors of my hands could fulfill Thy lost demand. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears? Forever flow, all for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and Thou alone. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to Thy cross I cling. Naked, come to Thee for dress. Helpless, I look to Thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior. I die while I draw this fleeting breath when my eyelids close in death and when I soar to worlds unknown and see thee on thy judgment throne of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in
We have the opportunity now to offer prayers of gratitude, thanksgiving to God. Maybe this morning as you're thinking about the prayers you might offer, it might just feel right to to kneel as you do that. And if so, the altar rail is open. If you'd like to use it as we pray together, come and join me. Father, in this moment of silence, hear our expressions of gratitude to you for your blessings in our lives, your grace in Christ, for all of the undeserved ways that you are at work in us and in this world. Father, we thank you that you are indeed in Christ, a wonderful, merciful Savior. Thank you for your grace in setting us free from our sin, for cleansing us from the burden, the guilt, and the power of sin. We thank you for your grace in in all the struggles and difficulties of our lives. Thank you for your comforting grace upon all who grieve. Especially thank you for being with Sherry Reynolds and her family at the death of her mother yesterday. Thank you for your presence with them, for your grace to them. We thank you for supplying healing grace for all who are ill and in pain. And we thank you for your healing grace upon Tammy Dunmire's father, who is struggling in intensive care with severe pneumonia. For your healing grace on Rich Reynolds and Calvin and Laurel Buecher and Warren Woolsey and Bill Getty. Upon Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman. Upon Beverett and Micah Christensen, Linda Roth and Dick Gould, Crystal Blake and Emily Cricklar. And for others who are on our minds and our hearts today. We thank you for being present in the ministries of this church and other churches and Especially thank you for what you have done and are continuing to do through the Valley Preschool, touching the lives of little children. Thank you for your grace and and work in the Oromel Church and Pastor Charlie Little, and for all the ways that you are helping them to bear witness to you. We thank you for your grace in the situations of our world. Thank you that you're at work in in the difficulties and and the tragedies of the water crisis in Flint, Michigan the refugees in Syria and so many other places of the world. We thank you for your compassionate grace upon Romy and Linda Karengel and the people and ministries they work with. Thank you for your sustaining grace upon our brothers and sisters who face more opposition and persecution than we could ever imagine. And particularly for the Christians in Davao, Mindanao, and the Philippines. In these difficult times, thank you for revealing yourself to them, for giving them strength and courage and your grace. Father, today we pray that you will open our eyes anew to your daily grace. Make us more and more grateful. In fact, give us so, such a, a, an understanding of grace that we are seen as the most grateful people in all the world. Not because we are good, but because you are. Father, we pray this through Christ, who in grace goes to the cross for our sins and changes us. For the sins of all people in order to change this world. It's in his name that we offer our prayer. Amen.
I'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us as we give back to God from all that he has blessed us with. I will sing for you alone have rescued this life. Jesus, you have set me free. You alone took away all sin and disgrace when you gave your life to ransom me. I am forgiven at the foot of the cross. I am accepted by the power of your love. My every stain is washed away.
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love Give thanks to the God of gods. His love Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love to him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens. He reached into our lowly state and sent his son, Jesus, fully God and fully human. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace, and the light of the world. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God calls us to hope, offering his incomparably great power to each of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Give thanks to the God of heaven who loves us with an everlasting love, whose mercies are new every morning.
Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.